Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today we're here with Bill Woodrow. Bill is the coordinator of the West Virginia Entrepreneurship Network and a project director for West Virginia Business Link at the West Virginia Department of Economic Development. Prior to coming to state government, Bill served as the director of entrepreneurship at the Robert C. Byrd Institute at Marshall University for seven years. He spent his career in public and community service. Bill, welcome to the show. Uh, good to have you, or good to be here today, Dane. Thank you. Excellent. Well, good to have you. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about um, entrepreneurship in West Virginia. What is the West Virginia Entrepreneurship Network? But, you know, we've uh, been going on now about three years, um, an effort to align the work of all those entrepreneurship serving organizations that exist in all our states. Um, you know, we all have been out there doing a lot of good work, trying to build up entrepreneurs. And what we wanted to do here in West Virginia is really work on the ecosystem and build up an intentional service for the entrepreneurs, because, you know, so often that. If we live in this world and are in it every day, we know where to go. We know who the resources are. A lot of times entrepreneurs don't know that there may be somebody in their back door that has the expertise they need, but they're not really sure how to get to it. So what we're trying to do is, is provide some communications and shared calendaring and opportunity for all the entrepreneur ecosystem builders across our state to work together. Gotcha. So a way of them coming together into sort of for lack of a better term, a directory of all of the entrepreneurial serving services in the community. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, uh, it, it all came out of that as things often do when something goes really, really wrong. Uh, about three years ago, offered a training and, you know, when I was at the Robert C. Byrd Institute and, and usually had great participation. It, it was a, how to start your business. You know, we would get 20 to 30 people out. Offered is just one time and we had four people sign up and I, that, you know, I'm like four people. I, I can't figure it out. I go back in, I look at it. And then I, I start to look around. I'm like, I wonder what else was going on. And I look, you know, kind of just started Googling and, and I find out that there were three other trainings in a very similar geography that same day, um, doing pretty similar topics. And I was like, you know, we've, we've got to get out of our own way with this thing. We've got to start to work smarter to help entrepreneurs because, you know, although that affected my grant metrics and, and I didn't get as many people out as I wanted, really at a step back, what that did was deny those entrepreneurs the opportunity to participate in all those trainings, which they probably needed. So. We started at that point with some informal convenings. Uh, there were six of us at the very first meeting. Um, we quickly uh, got together a, a little more formal meeting. We had about 30 people come out because we were trying to do a, a statewide network in West Virginia is so large, you know, geographically, not large, you know, as a lot of people would think of it. But, 
you know, it, it's about six or seven hours from one quarter to the other, just because there's no straight route there. So we moved to Zoom meetings and pretty quickly began to get about 40 to 50 organizations out a month where we just highlighted organizations, what they were doing, what programs they offered so that everybody didn't need to feel the pressure to be everything to every entrepreneur. And they had that opportunity to partner with people and develop relationships to better serve entrepreneurs. And we started a shared Google calendar and just move forward incrementally with building an intentional system of connection for entrepreneurs and the organizations that serve them. Gotcha. And this was about three years ago. So how has the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the, in the state changed in the last three years? We, you know, I, it, we were, we were moving along. We had started to build, like I said, we, we became aware of another ecosystem effort that was going on in the more northerly part of our state. So we were able to combine, you know, um, and really start to move this forward. And we were planning a, a tremendous activity. We had, uh, support from federal, state, local agencies. We had more than 250 people sign up, um, huge one day conference to really highlight entrepreneurship. And it was scheduled for April the 4th of 2020. Well, uh, about three weeks out, um, one of our people called and said, this, this flu thing is serious and we're going to have to cancel. I was like, what do you mean? It's the flu. And, and of course, then as we know, we did ultimately cancel it and we moved it forward and, and we struggled to find our, our footing over the COVID period because there was so much going on. What we were able to do, though, is come together then uh, in the fall of 2020 and host a three-day webinar symposia that really highlighted the best practices across the country. And we had some fantastic speakers, federal, state, and local levels. We had foundations. Um, and it really galvanized some attention to the ecosystem. Uh, it, it really built us up. It built our monthly meeting attendance up another 20 or 30%. And really importantly, it engaged the West Virginia Department of Economic Development, who who wanted, had the opportunity with some CARES Act funding that said, we need to do this at a more systemic level. Like, you know, it, it's great that we've been able to do this. Um, you know, you all have volunteered your time, you're making it work, but what if we could put a cash infusion into this and, and make it more of a system thing? And that is actually what brought out the West Virginia Business Link Initiative, where a source link uh, program, and then allowed me to move fully more, um, spend my full time in building this ecosystem and building out the website, the West Virginia Business Link.com website. So, where do you see this going? You know, as we move out of COVID, what changes do you foresee, uh, both with your program and with the ecosystem there in West Virginia? And, you know, we just launched here. We launched last month and, uh, so far we've got 123 resource partners identified throughout the state. And those are organizations that have said, we want to help. We want to be cataloged. We want to be part of this intentional connection. And, and really, you know, we have that a great secretary of state and, and secretary Mike Warner who's moved all of our registration and business licensing online. Um, so, you know, really what we do now is come in with that compliment. And in the first months we've had about 18, well, we've, it's not even going a month yet. It's about three weeks. We've had about 3,500 visitors to the site and the, the three weeks we've had it. So it, it's gotten a great reception, you know, internally, we've seen more than 
300 searches on the pages for the different topics, because really what Business Link does is provide you some about 30 pages of information about establishing, starting, growing, financing your business in West Virginia. And then it gives you the opportunity to go out to the resources that are there across the state. So we've seen over 300 searches inside so far, and a lot of them on it. How do I finance a uh, business? How do I start a business here in West Virginia? You know, throughout the pandemic, um, one of the things that we've seen here, and it's been a national trend, is a number of business startups. You know, we we have seen a, an escalation here in the state. Several thousand more businesses started in 2020 than had been started, you know, in any year prior. So, you know, what we want to do is now come in and show them that that just wasn't a temporary blip. As you've reevaluated and you've found your passion and you've started this business, let's show you how you keep it going post-pandemic as we begin to trend down and hopefully build in this post-pandemic world. Let's support these entrepreneurs and make sure that it's not a six-month business or a one-year business. Do we keep them alive those first critical three to five years that all businesses, you know, really need to get their feet underneath them? So do you provide them with connections to, you know, funding and business support, all things that aren't necessarily services provided by government agencies. Yeah, correct. That's, that, that is, if, if we had a mission statement directly, that would be it. I mean, I, I, we do offer some business coaching. That's not my, our primary function. You know, really what we're trying to do is not duplicate what anybody's doing, but get them out to all the services that exist. And they, you know, they exist here in West Virginia. They exist where you are. They exist across the country, but it's, how do you get people to them? So if you come to me with a question about finance, we have you know, information on commercial lenders. We have the Jobs Investment Trust, which is a state-run investment agency. We have an angel and venture investors who are ready to go. You know, some people are before that and they need help with basic things like a lean canvas for their business. They've got an idea and they don't know how to take that idea and, and get it out onto paper. They're not, you know, the idea of a 20-page business plan intimidates them. But if you can come to them with the lean canvas and they can talk through that, it gets them out and, and start it and gets them past that fear of starting that, that stops so many people from, from being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So how are people finding the West Virginia Business Link website? How are you getting the word out about the actual website? Well, we've had a great push. The uh, governor himself actually did a news release for us and pushed it out across the state. Then, you know, we're, we're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, everywhere you'd want to see us on social media, WB Business Link, and any of those is, is going to take you right to us. And then we're doing, obviously, um, kind of a combination uh, of programs like this. I've done radio. We've gotten some news stories. We've done uh, just a variety of releases, trying to make people aware. And, you know, a lot of what we're doing is interacting in communities to, to make sure that the business providers in those communities know, because again, it's a lot of times people know to come to their local chamber. They know to come to a local EDA or a main street organization. Just making sure those organizations know that they don't have to do it all. If somebody comes in with a need, you don't have, you don't have to, uh, to build a whole new wing or a whole new um, operation to take care of it because there's probably somebody in your community or really close that will let you do it. And, and the great thing about Business Link is we have a search tool for all that, either by a map or a listing. You can put in your address and even, and you know, bore down a little bit if you want to and put in your needs, put in anything you want, you know, if, if it's financing, if it's business coaching, whatever it is, if it's facilities. 
Um, and it will pair you up with the closest geographical organization that can help you meet your needs. So it, it pairs people up by need and then gets them to the closest one to them ge geographically, which we think is just a fabulous tool. So you're out there every day promoting this and making various organizations aware of it, but then you're also building it on a daily basis. You're, you know, you're adding content to it. So how are you finding those resources? It, uh, you know, luckily I, I came to this with, you know, uh, you know, 20-ish years of community and economic development. So I started, started with one I knew, but then, you know, just being able to participate, the one great thing of the last year, it is, I, I know we don't get tired of Zooms. I know we don't get tired of webinars, but there's some really fascinating connections that can be made through that. And what that's done is allow me to, to tap into people across the country and say, you know, if you were building this thing from scratch, we're where would you start? You know, what you're, you're the guy that knows everything about building a diverse ecosystem. So what would you do to start a diverse ecosystem here? What resources do you wish, you know, as a successful entrepreneur, what resources do you wish you had? And, and you know, participating in things like the Rural Rise Group is doing a fantastic job. I don't know if you've ever spoken to them, but across the country, they are bringing together rural practitioners who are building communities yeah, really from Alaska to Florida, all the way across the country and, and looking for those best practices. So, you know, I, the, the great thing about being a SourceLink program is SourceLink gives you a really good start and a lot of references to start with. Um, SourceLink provided, provides us a network of their communities across the country that are already engaged in trying to build these ecosystems. And that's a, that's a wonderful resource as well, to be able to call an executive director in another state. We're about the eighth state who's trying to do this. You know, a lot of I've been in major municipalities across the country, Dallas, Baltimore, Chicago. Um, we're, we were about the eighth state that's trying to lay this over an entire state. So th there's some good learning there and some some definite best practices that I've appropriated from those other states. Um, that's right. It, it, it's been really great. Well, that that's what they say. Good artists steal. And realistically, <laughs> exactly. that's what we all do, right? We take things and we find best practices and we localize them for our community. So that's, that's excellent. So, you know, historically, what's been the entrepreneurial ecosystem like in West Virginia? I mean, we don't think of uh, West Virginia as being this entrepreneurial powerhouse. Why do you think that is? And how is that going to maybe change going forward? You know, I mean, like, like a lot of our rural areas, um, especially rural areas that, that saw their establishment and growth in, you know, industrial and pre-industrial for West Virginia phases, we, we were an extractive community, um, chemicals, coal, timber, gas, and, and, you know, really the building blocks that built the whole nation came out of here, but there were good jobs in all those, you know, it, in a community there, there were good paying jobs in all those industries. So, you know, I, I, I take myself, I, I'm a native West Virginian. I, I grew up here, uh, except a brief time away in school at Ohio state. I, I've lived here my whole life. Um, you know, I was probably in my late twenties or thirties before somebody told me I could take my passions and start a, a, a job, start a business, start a career. You know, I, I, again, I, I was not a child of the coal fields. I, I was in a blue collar or a white, white collar area here in the Canal Valley, but you know, we hit the chemical industry. I, all my friends, parents were engineers at carbide 
Dow and Roanpalak. And, you know, we have the, we were the heart of the chemical industry in this country in the 50s, 60s and 70s as plastics were coming on and all those things. Union Carbide's world headquarters was here. So, you know, you, you, it was kind of expected. You grew up, you went, you got your college degree and you went to work for one of the large corporations. So, you know, we're working to change that. You know, I, I think the, the really interesting thing is if you peel back another hundred years, the, the founders of West Virginia very much were entrepreneurs. You know, we were the original American entrepreneurs. This was the wilderness in the West. You know, when, when George Washington came this way in the mid 1700s as a young kid, he was, you know, he was cutting into unknown land. They had no idea what was beyond the Appalachian mountains, you know, and the James river, as they got beyond that, they were off in the wilderness. So the people that came here early on very much brought that entrepreneurial spirit. I think it still resides in a lot of our people. You can see it as the hype gets turned on, but we've got to have the conversations just like anywhere. If you're not putting a spotlight on something, if you're not talking about the opportunities that are there, you know, it, it starts to wither. Um, we've got some great organizations in the state like Entra Ed, which is an entrepreneurship coalition and the Ed Bitcher group that are now working with kids down in elementary school, all the way up to say, you know, you can think entrepreneurially and, and you can own your own business. You can do this, you know, and I think competitions at that level, I, not all of those kids are going to be entrepreneurs. And I got really angry a, a couple of weeks ago on a zoom because I, I heard somebody talking about how people were born entrepreneurs and. And it, we were kind of wasting time. And I, I got into, it wasn't a Facebook fight, thank goodness, but a Zoom fight over the fact that, yeah, but what about the kid who is an entrepreneur, but doesn't know that's an opportunity for him? He, he's got that passion. He's got that drive, but nobody's ever said to him, hey, did you, you know, you could open your own business. I think there's so many people that are like that, you know, not just in West Virginia, but everywhere. People that have ideas, have thought of ways that they could, you know, make some money. And nobody's ever told them it's okay to do that. And so maybe they do it, you know, a little bit, but it never becomes a real business. It becomes something that they do when they need extra money or it becomes a hobby that, you know, maybe they occasionally make some money on, but no one's ever told them that, hey, if you just systematize this and, and develop the process and, you know, find the customer and figure out how to, you know, uh, do your marketing, you know, this can be an ongoing thing that can grow and develop. I, I think that more states need that. And I think um, the way that you've begun it is great because you're not going out and saying, here's all this money, take some money, start a business, pay us back or don't pay us back, you know, but you're going out and you're finding the resources that are already there and you're um, bringing them all together into one place and um, making that information available. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, what we find for people is that it's getting them, a, and this is a source links phrase, again, appropriating it, but it's getting them the right resource at the right time. And, and people always think, I, you know, I, the work we started, we intentionally started here with initially, we're not going after a grant. We're not going after some, you know, three year pilot project that'll start it. When, when this started, it was very intentional and in that we're doing this because it's the right thing to do. And it, build into a system, we build out all those basic building blocks for a system. And then when the right opportunity came to infuse some money into building the system more, we, we took that opportunity and the Department of Economic Development had a lot of vision. The SBDC is a great partner, one of our founding partners here. And Deb Martin, who's the director, really, you know, when she saw the opportunity with some SBA CARES Act, 
took it to the administration. The administration was very supportive and they moved that forward really quickly. But I, I think it was because we hadn't started off with that as a goal. It wasn't me sitting in a, in an office somewhere saying, hey, I need to write this grant that, that will support me first and then serve entrepreneurs next. And, and all too often you see that everywhere across the country, you know? And so I, I think taking those intentional steps that we did, you know, we, we built a really strong system that when the, the opportunity came along to be funded and to put some formal backing to it, we were really ready to go in a, in a very quick manner and have been able to get out quickly to serve people. Well, I think that on one hand, you're sort of doing exactly with your own organization what you want the entrepreneurs to do. You weren't spending a lot of time creating and crafting this huge and intricate plan that required millions and millions of dollars to run. And so often, you know, entrepreneurs, they spend a lot of time developing their logo and their website and getting an accountant and a lawyer and all this kind of stuff before they've sold any product, before they know whether or not somebody other than their mother wants to buy their product or service. Mm -hmm. And really they need to get out there and they need to find out if there's actually a market, if they can actually sell it, then they can do all of those other things. And that's kind of the same model that you're following in that you, you're doing the absolute necessity, the bare minimum that you can possibly do to move the ball forward. And if it works, then you put more resources and time into it and you, and you continue moving and growing. And it, it is exactly that model. And I'll, I'll say my time at, at the Robert C. Bird Institute at Marshall University really framed that we tried as entrepreneurs came to us, we were designed as a manufacturing institute that helped entrepreneurs bring, bring products to life. And, you know, people always came in and they had done all the things you're talking about. And they were trying to build the Lamborghini when they didn't even have a scooter. We're like, you start with the minimum viable product here. You know, that MVP that can start you down in your path and see, is there something here? And that really is the principle we've applied. I mean, we've also been, you know, what, during my time at Marshall, we were incredibly lucky to, uh, have the support of our alumnus, Brad Smith, um, who is a, a native West Virginian, a, a Marshall alum, and then of course has gone on to international business success, but he's invested back in the university and in West Virginia. And he talks to the whole university about design thinking and human design thinking and, and how we've got to capture that. And we really bring that to the work. You know, we brought it to the work at the Bird Institute now trying to apply that on a statewide basis. We, we use those same principles in working with entrepreneurs that we ask entrepreneurs to use when they're trying to build their business. Excellent advice. I, I endorse that 100%. I think the other thing that you're doing that's really great is you're creating this online resource because... You know, the truth is most of the content on the internet is created ultimately that, so that someone clicks on an ad somewhere, makes somebody, you know, a dollar or, you know, a few pennies every time somebody comes to the website and clicks on a link. And it's good that you're creating quality content. You're collecting it, putting it together and making this resource. Because even if you get hit by a bus and, your pro and the program goes away tomorrow, it's still there. And entrepreneurs from here on forward can go there and look and find quality content that's well-written and well put together and, and sorted and collected. And that's useful and that's valuable. And it's valuable, not just um, in West Virginia, it's valuable for every, you know, everybody. If somebody does a Google search and, you know, finds this, they're going to gain some benefit from it. So I applaud you. I think you're doing exactly the right thing. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's exactly what we're doing. There's so many people out there. And, and one of my biggest frustrations over the last several, several years in yeah, working with entrepreneurs was before they came to us, their Google search showed up one of those, you know, the first thing you need is a patent and trademark. And, and sometimes it, it wasn't pennies. It was hundreds and thousands of dollars that entrepreneurs would, would be into things again, before they had that minimal, minimum Bible product, before they had that thing that they were really looking to sell and invested all of these dollars. And, and we had one entrepreneur on, on one of those services had come into us and was 20, 25 grand in and he hadn't put any into product development. It's like with this 20 to $25,000, we could have really done some great work for you, gotten through a couple rounds of prototype, probably done some small batch production for you. And now you're at zero and, and you still need all those things done before you're going to get to market. So, you know, it's, it, it definitely is one of the things we're trying to do is, you know, we, we don't have an agenda other than we, I guess, want you to do business in West Virginia. It, it obviously has not been anyone anywhere, but I think you can see that the business climate that we're trying to build in West Virginia is one that supports those entrepreneurs. I, I think it's very significant that we just don't have a statewide program, but we have one that's housed in the Department of Economic Development. You know, and that's they a lot of across the country take knocks because they're only looking for smokestacks, and obviously that's important. Those major employers are important, but but you know, I think you can very directly say that the West Virginia Department of Economic Development is also investing in small business and entrepreneurs in our communities. In those jobs, you know, 90% of the jobs in West Virginia are made in small businesses and, and that's where they're investing right now. And I, I think it's a wonderful story and I think we're building something special here. Excellent. So how did you get into this? Did you grow up wanting to assist entrepreneurs or, you know, what happened? You know, it, it kind of came backwards. I, uh, I started off as, you know, a, a, again, a, a kind of rural kid, um, wanted to go to law school and, and got into college and, and had the opportunity actually through the 4-H program to go out and work in communities all over the state and begin to see some real disparities that hadn't occurred to me. Like I said, I, I grew up in a white collar community. Um, I, and even though I was in West Virginia, you know, as a kid, I sometimes thought, I don't know why everybody tells these stories about West Virginia. You know, I, I don't see it. it. It wasn't in my purview. So when I got into college, I, uh, began to work and worked all over the state from the northernmost counties down to the southernmost counties and saw that, you know, the, the stories were real and everybody hadn't had the chances that we had. So at that time went into some youth work and then went to Ohio state and got my master's in community and, uh, development and just began to build from there. You know, and it was really about, um, finding the resources in the community, building networks. I, I worked for the first several years of my career as a 4-H agent and, you know, saw the, the needs on the ground and it's just been an escalation over time. I, you know, we, we can, we can build good kids and give them the right opportunities. We can build their communities that get them the right state. It, it all starts with, with building in a very intentional process and that, you know, that's kind of how it came up. Um, then about seven years ago, I was given the opportunity to come to RCDI and lead their agricultural technology commercialization program called Ag Innovations. 
and really got to do some great work with entrepreneurs all over the state. And that brought me more from the community building side, the the more main street side into working with entrepreneurs on a, a more daily basis. And, uh, just found a real passion there for that and, and love the joy of seeing people's ideas, you know, especially at RCBI come to life right in front of them. You know, we were an advanced manufacturing institute, did a lot of 3D printing. We also had lathes and mills and laser cutters, water cutters, any, any, you know, big boy toy that you would ever want, all the manufacturing tools that you could ever imagine, about $25 million worth of manufacturing machinery. And, you know, to help people bring that product that maybe they've imagined or they've drawn on a napkin. And I, I had several of those come to me, you know, that's the, the old myths or the old tale, but it, it, it was true more than once that people came to me with many times the figurative napkin and, and several times the literal napkin, uh, drawing, you know, on a sheet of paper and to see that go from an idea to a creation, to a business, you know, just became a real passion. And then you move to the state and I imagine that you know, you don't get to see that as much on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, no, that, that is the one, you know, I, I still get to work with entrepreneurs son. and, um, when they call in, particularly looking for that resource that they need or, or email me, I may engage a little more maybe than the job description says I'm supposed to, just because that is great. But you know, the, the great part though, it is stepping back and being able to put that system there. So that whether you're in, you know, Wyoming County or McDowell County, our southernmost counties are all the way up in like Brooke County, some of our northernmost county, Hancock County, that I know I'm helping people get to that help. That that, that moment is still occurring because of the work I'm doing. That, you know, people who might not have discovered the regional economic development partnership in Wheeling, you know, when you call me from Brooke County or, or Hancock County or Ohio County, I can, I can say, hey, that's here's somebody right in your back door that can help you get this thing done. They can help you build not in San Francisco and not even in Morgantown or Charleston or Huntington, you know, it, but they can do that right there for you in the Northern Manhandle. Start to build now where you are. Bill, this has been an excellent conversation. Uh, I have learned uh, so much, I think, about the sort of West Virginia entrepreneurial ecosystem and um, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get into contact with you? Sure. Um, they can drop me an email, um, bill.j.woodrum, that's W-O-O-D-R-U-M. So bill.j.woodrum at wv.gov, or they can call me at 304-400-7606. Or of course, for information about Business Link, the best thing to do is go to wvbusinesslink.com. And, and there's an information button there. There's a help me button there. And those all come right to me if you fill those out. So uh, thank you so much, Dane. I, I've really enjoyed talking about today. Um, love to be back anytime. When, when you've got questions, when you've got things to talk about, I'd love to come back anytime and talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, I think we're going to find a way to take you up on that because... I think you have a lot of insights that are very useful, not just in West Virginia, but all across the country. Well, thank you, Dane. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. You've been listening.
listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.